For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today's episode is about why we are abandoning Instagram and where we are heading next on social. Oh my God. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. (laughs) We made the decision yesterday and I'm just so excited that we get a chance to talk about it. Even since yesterday afternoon when we talked about this and, and decided, I have so many things to tell you. So Okay. Let's okay. Go. Let's go. Okay. So let's talk about why we're doing this. And so I'll just give my personal reason. Sure. And then I think you should give yours, Sandy, because I, you know, I think we came to this decision in different ways at different times. I will just say personally, I have not been a fan of Instagram for years. Ever. Really ever. I kind of was like, I had a private account for a while and I was posting pictures for friends and family and travel photos. And even then a year and a half ago, I just started to get weirded out by the whole space and the ecosystem. And I do think it is very challenging for a lot of people to spend time, a lot of women in particular, to spend time on Instagram because you get kind of sucked in to the highlight reels of other people's lives and kind of the the traditional critique that we hear. But I also just feel like it's a colossal waste of time. (laughs) And it's kind of just turning my brain to mush. And I just don't want to expose myself to that. So that's like my take. And then that's just personally before the reasons of this decision. Mm -hmm. And Sandy, why don't you just kind of like share your story with Instagram a little bit? Sure. I used to love, 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 love Instagram because of the photography, because I, I used to just love looking at people's photographs like in the old, old days. And I also used to use it as a challenge for myself. I remember I went to Newfoundland, I think in 2017 or 2018. I loved the challenge on a holiday to take beautiful photos and then post them on Instagram, not to get followers, not to get likes. I I mean, on my personal account, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't care, but I love this like curation and making this beautiful grid of beautiful photography. That's what attracted it to me. And I loved participating in that. Now, of course it is no longer that. So I have slowly seen, you know, the algorithms change multiple times as we know, and then there's so much more emphasis on video 
And I now go into Instagram and I am disgusted. I am uninspired. I am irritated and annoyed by the content. So first of all, there's so many ads. So it's like post, post, ad, post, ad, ad, post, you know, like there's no, and of course we all know that we're not seeing friends, families, people that we follow, right? Which is super frustrating. I'm sure there is a lot of great, amazing work on Instagram. I'm not seeing it. Mm -hmm. And when I go through my feed, I find it very empty and very bland. It's a lot of TikTok reposting of a lot of, for me, for whatever reason, the dances, the the lip syncing shows up. Also this trend of, I forget the word, but you know, when you're like side by side. Duet. A duet. You have someone else saying something profound and interesting. And then you sit there and you're like, mm-hmm. And you're like nodding in agreement. And I'm like, why am I spending minutes yeah. of my life watching you nod to someone else who has the wisdom and not you? And I think when that trend started, I was just like, this is awful. I do a quick spin and it's now feels like Facebook to me. Like Facebook is the most boring place on earth. There's nothing of interest to me. I actually think what people are posting, I'm sorry to all my friends and family. It's just so stupid. Like it's not what I want to do with my life. And Instagram has now become a wasteland in that same way. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I've always sort of felt like this. And I think we should dive into the business critique that we yes. have. Yes. Because, you know, we have had a business presence together in various capacities for almost a decade on Instagram. And I think for many years early on, it was a source of clients, it was a source of leads into our business, it was a way of meeting new people. It was like kind of a digital networking space that was really yeah. great for female founders, women in business, women entrepreneurs. And it was kind of like the hangout for a long time. And I think it still is, but I think that's problematic, which we'll get into. And and I think that it was just sort of, it was an expectation that a, a brand like ours would be there. And I think for a little while, it was helpful for us. But I started to notice like years ago, kind of just the level of conversations that were happening. And I think that this like really accelerated in 2020 during the pandemic, that it just was sort of like people repeating their version of the same horseshit. (laughs) It's like, these are the talking points. Like this is the holiday that we're supposed to talk about. And these are the talking points. And we're going to make our version of those talking points. This is the list of things that we're supposed to talk about as, you know, a women founded company. And we're going to talk about these things, these like 10 things in our own way. And I just, I hate everything about it. And I hate that the push from the platform to go towards video, towards reels, creates this expectation that creators are going to spend a whole bunch of time making idiotic 10 second or 30 second videos yes. that they need to spend. Like what else could you be doing with that time, right? I've yes. always felt like yes. that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. What is the perverse incentive structure here that is like putting business owners into this position where there are these, and primarily women business owners, there are these expectations that they're going to go spend their precious time making this garbage, right? That just is really making money for Zuck and BlackRock and like the people that own all the Facebook stock. Like that's the whole point. It's, it's an abusive relationship economically. And then I think that most people don't think that and know that. And mm-hmm. I think it's also, and then here's like the spoiler of the episode, Sandy, right? Which is that you and I, well, I started really spending more time again on Twitter during the SVB crisis because our bank mm-hmm, imploded, mm-hmm. right? And so you and I both were like on Twitter for three solid days <laughs> without sleeping. And I think there was this moment 
during that weekend where I realized like, oh, this is where the people who run the world are really hanging out. out. And I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was disgusted about Twitter for a long time because of that. But then the contrast between going between Instagram and Twitter, Mm -hmm. where it's, it's like so idiotic on Instagram. And it's just like, this is where we're playing small. And then you go over on Twitter and like, this is where world changing conversations are happening. And I think as a woman, I resent that there's this expectation that as women, we're going to be over in this, you know, like playing house (laughs) with pretty pictures world versus the guys are over there running the world on Twitter. And I think I resent the shit out of that. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So I think the whole video thing is insanity. And I also resent it because I just want my photographs back on my feed. I think I resent the whole video thing, as you said, but also somehow our brains got brainwashed. We're brainwashed into believing that that's how you run a business, that that's what you have to do. And there's no like critical thinking about, should I do this? Is this how I spend my time? It's just assumed that this is what you do to build a business. And we've been going, I've been going on at nauseum about how for a lot of women business owners in the early stages, they assume that the only option is Instagram. Like that's marketing. That totally defines marketing. And I think what we've done today and this episode, I want to challenge that. It may work for you a hundred percent. If you love video, if you're comfortable talking, your audience is there and it's working, then go for it. It's not working for us when we look at the time it takes to create content for Instagram versus some of the other platforms, which we're going to talk about. So I also want to say it feels like women in business, and I do not mean to offend anyone out there who's using Instagram. I just want to challenge you. We're not really saying anything on Instagram about our business. We're not saying anything there. If I am following you, I want to know what you think and feel and are experiencing. I want to hear your stories. I want the personal. I want your unique take on whatever it is that you teach. And I do not see that happening on Instagram at all. And I'm very influenced by you, Jenny, and your thinking on this. And you recently went to a coach writing program and it really changed you and for the better and like really opened up some things that have been kind of shoved down inside you. And I'm grateful for that because we teach this in our our program, Visible and Luminaries, that you need to say something when you are marketing your business. Like You actually need to say something. And for me personally, at this moment in time, I am afraid to speak on Instagram. Yeah. So here's the thing. The words matter. Like the ideas behind the words are what matter. And I think that what happens is because we only have a finite amount of time. Again, we're speaking in generalizations, but we're generalizing. I think a lot of (laughs) – there are a lot of people like this and in women and in online business in particular. So you're either going to devote the time to the ideas themselves or you're going to devote the time to making the graphic pretty or the video pretty or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that – the women, like generally speaking, are making the graphic pretty and the men are making the ideas. And it's a huge freaking generalization. Yes. We know that, but it's a real pattern. Yeah. And I think that I have always felt this and until the last few months didn't have like the words to articulate it. I've always mm-hmm. felt just held back. I felt like I was holding myself back. Because, I mean, I like pretty things. The internet is ephemeral. (laughs) Like you make something and it's gone in two seconds for the most part, unless it has stickiness in its ideas. And so 
I think that I just, I've like just been so deeply uncomfortable with this expectation that we need to make pretty things or funny things or cute things or sexy things when really what we need to do is like have important ideas, make real connection with people, (laughs) challenge authority where it needs to be challenged. And all of those things are very hard to do. Not to say it's impossible to do on a platform like Instagram. Some people are doing it. Mm -hmm. It's extremely rare. And I think that there is backlash if you do choose to do it on Instagram because you're sort of like violating the unspoken rule. This is a a place where we play by the rules. We don't really think here. We talk the talking points. We make the pretty pictures and then back off if you're going to challenge anything. Yeah. No, I think that that's right. We also have had the advantage and one could argue disadvantage of being in a male dominated tech world. And the people that we follow are those people. And that we are also business coaches and very much in the female business world or women building business world. And so we see both sides. And I think that's a total advantage. I'm going to remove my disadvantage comment. It's a total advantage because we can see how they operate differently. And so many times from the beginning, we would say, isn't it interesting how women are doing it this way and men are doing it this way? Yeah. The women are policing themselves. The women are being mean to each other and the men are going to make the fucking money. They're policing themselves among the minutia. The minutia of the minutia is where the policing is happening. And I think that that's also so disturbing to me is that generally speaking, we all think and agree on the same things. <laughs> but because of that, the only area to have a conversation is where we disagree. It's like the the size of the flea on the rat on the cat. Like it's like that level of <laughs> like detail of inconsequential issue. I'm sure we will get pushed back on that and I welcome it. Fine, let's push back on that. You know, there's a woman we can talk about. I don't know her and you don't know her either, Sandy, but one of the women I think that's pushed back on this way of operating on Instagram is a coach named Lindsay Lockett, which we who we both follow and just sort of I admire her audacity on the platform. I read the comments and I don't agree with everything she says. I really respect her for pushing back on people and she'll say something and she's like a trauma coach, I think. Yeah. People will say things like, oh, you wrote this and you, you know, this was triggering and you should have put TW like trigger warning on your post. And, (laughs) and, you know, she will fire back and say like, it's not my responsibility to protect you from being uncomfortable. So I appreciate that. And I think that there's a need for that kind of conversation, especially among women. But I also am like, God, I just don't want to operate on that. I just, I want to go talk about, like I sent you a post day before yesterday. I think I DM'd you on Twitter that was like, somebody posted an investor, I think like, here are all the people who are solo Mm -hmm. founders that I can think of who are building billion dollar companies. And it was just like list and people were adding to the list. And it was mostly people in the millions that but they're like, oh, these could be billion dollar solo founders. And not a single damn woman on that thread. That's what I'm reading on Twitter. And then I come over to Instagram. And it's like, you know, it's just, I can't even talk about what's there. It's just nonsense. And I think like this to me is where do you want to operate in your life? And maybe you don't want to change the world. And maybe you just want to like post pictures that look almost exactly like everyone else's pictures and words that look exactly almost like everyone else's words. Maybe that's what you want. And if that is what you want, I would just question, I would ask you to question yourself, why? Like, what are you getting out of that? Like, what do you get out of spending time doing that? Mm -hmm. You have this one life, (laughs) you have limited time, limited moments, and especially limited time to work on your business. And like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's self-reflective, right? Because we also have done this or we have had yeah. team members doing this for years. And I just think we're like, no, 
Yeah. Hold on. I, for our existing clients, they all know Autumn. And when we decided this, I messaged her. She's one of our coaches. And I was like, Autumn, I need to talk to you for a few minutes. And she was like, let's huddle. I'm like, no, let's Zoom because I want to see your face when I drop this bomb. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, what's happened? You know? And she just like flung her head back, just like, what? Yeah. We're getting off Instagram. What? After I had that conversation with Autumn, I turned to Twitter and I took one of our, I did a little experiment. Results are not in yet, but I want to talk about how it felt for me. I took one of our podcasts and I tried to choose one that like could somewhat be a little bit controversial or like, what are they saying? And that was the one about how money does make you happy. And so I wrote a Twitter post to sort of hook them into this concept and idea. And then I just posted our link to the podcast and I put it on Twitter and it took me maybe 10 minutes because I it's been a long time. I read Twitter, but I don't always post. And so it took me a minute to figure that out. Great. Then I went over to LinkedIn. I just copied it, pasted it onto LinkedIn. Easy. And then I went to Instagram. I'm going to do the exact same words, exact same everything. And I like held my phone and I'm like, okay, what do I do here? I don't, I'm not going into Canva to type this out. No. Jesus. So I guess I'm going to go and I'm going to make a reel. Okay. Hit reel. I just like shitty light and just said the words I did on Twitter. I mean, it's a little bit because more a little more conversational. I threw up some filters so I didn't look like I was 90. And and then I added captions and then I had to, oh, I need to, I had to go through tra- audio. It was just, and it took me 30 minutes oh, to create God, the Sandy. simplest reel ever. And what was so interesting to me, regardless of what comments or engagement we get, was the way that I felt. So when I was initially, the work I wanted to highlight or amplify was already created. It was a, a podcast, but I had to sit and think for Twitter and LinkedIn what are the words that I need to think about? What is compelling? What is interesting? Who's going to be reading this? What do I have to say to engage them and interest them? Versus going to Instagram where I was like, well, how's my light? Which filter should I use? How do I look? How's my background? Is my purse open in the back? You know, all that freaking nonsense that has nothing to do with anything. And I loved the way that I would challenge myself to write something with intelligence and interest, you know, to pique curiosity on Twitter versus the decisions and things I had to think about when I was on Instagram. Now, I could coach myself. I know I can hear our clients. I could coach myself. I could figure out Instagram. I could make that. I could think differently about it, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that work. I'm choosing to leave for a more, I love your shallow versus deep, or choosing with a lot of intention to go to a deeper in quotations platform. Yeah. Yeah. And I will just say personally, I mean, we have had a brand account on Twitter for a long time, but I kind of was using it as my personal account. And then I've just started a brand new Twitter account, personal account, and I'm I'm only lurking still. Like I've spent a lot of time on Twitter reading tweets for years and years and lurking and felt like it did not make sense for us as a brand to focus our presence there because our audience wasn't there. And I think that I also just decided like, I don't care. Then they're not there. (laughs) I think that there's an audience there that we just were either too afraid or too uncomfortable with working to cultivate. And I think that that was a shift that happened for me. 
And I guess like the other thing that I'll just say is your description of what it felt like to post on Twitter and LinkedIn. Like that's how I felt about Facebook. Like I was an early adopter to Facebook because I was in grad school at Yale when Zuckerberg was at Harvard launching Facebook. So the Facebook came to Yale, I think second or like very soon after it launched beta at Harvard. I got on really fast on beta. I loved early social media, just like I loved early Mm -hmm. blogging because it was actually about what you're saying. It was like sharing an idea really quick, resharing other people's ideas that resonated with you, which is what Twitter essentially is. And so I think especially now that Twitter, you can have longer tweets, like it's basically early Facebook to me. That's what it is before Facebook became like the monstrosity that it became. What it shows me is that there's a place for important conversations to happen on social media. And I think where that happens shifts over time. And I think that that's okay. I think it's worth considering where you're going to spend your time based on Mm -hmm. like, where is the place that important conversations are happening? I just challenge all of you who feel like, I don't know if I want to be there because I felt that way for a long time because it's vulnerable and scary. Why? Why are you scared? Like, try to figure that out. Like, what are you actually afraid of? If I go, like, I spent months thinking this through before we decided to like really do this for real, Sandy, and talk about this like this. What is my fear? Okay, my fear, my ultimate fear when I work back through all the layers is being doxxed. I say something that gets seen as so inflammatory or so controversial that there is hatred piled on, which happens on Twitter, I think probably more than anywhere else. And the worst outcome for a person is that they get doxxed. Like, I mean, besides physical violence, which being doxxed though is like having your personal, your home address shared on the internet, right? Like that's, there is a physical fear there. So I'm like, okay, how likely is that to happen? And then like, what would I do if that did happen? And so I think that this is just like working through any fears. Like you follow it through. Okay. So what happens? Like we'll play that out. And Mm -hmm. I think that what I realize is like, even if my scariest fear comes true. I'm strong enough. My family's strong enough. Like we would make choices. We would deal with it. Is it worth muzzling yourself because of that long far-fetched fear, which is possible, but is it likely? And even then how in danger are you? And so I had worked it up for myself that it was like my physical safety is why I will not Mm -hmm. post on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I think that I was like, what if I don't have to feel physically unsafe? Yeah. So, yeah, because There is a lack of women saying meaningful things on Twitter and all platforms and and Twitter. And so I think like the world needs to hear Jenny's voice and thoughts out there and that that will far the benefit of that to, I think, our business, to your mental health will far outweigh that small chance of getting docs. But Obviously, knowing that you can deal with it if it happens is super powerful. Well, being canceled is the other fear, which is not as scary as being doxxed. Yeah. I mean, that is a fear for sure with Marvelous, like with our bigger bigger brand. Yeah, 100%. But I also think we've been muzzling ourselves for the since the beginning out of fear, yeah. right? It's just such a, we've had this conversation. We've also especially said- Especially since 2020. Especially, especially since, since 2020. 2020. Yeah. You've always said that the most interesting conversations that you and I have are in private. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to try to move that public a little bit more in our newfound bravery. I don't know. But can we just talk about Twitter for a second? Like, yeah. what is it that you love? Maybe love is a strong word. <laughs> I love that the conversations that happen there lead to real world outcomes, like Mm -hmm. fairly frequently. I think that the people that I follow, 
are having conversations that then lead to something. Like a conference happens, a news story happens, something gets leaked, a business partnership is formed. Like real things happen. Like somebody gets challenged publicly. So then they write an op-ed. That is the opportunity with a tool like social media. Like that's why when it was invented, it was so revolutionary. It allows a regular person, little old me, little old you to have a direct line of communication to someone we otherwise would not have that connection with. And so, wow, we live in a world where that happens. Like we live in a world where that's possible and yet we are not taking advantage of it because of fear or because of insecurity or be- what for whatever other reason. And yeah. I think that that's such a shitty thing to do to ourselves. I think why? While this exists in this moment in time, it might not always exist the way that it does, but for now it does. So why would we not use that opportunity? You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to tell you was this morning while I was waiting for you, I went on Twitter and whatever in the feed, there was a question from a woman who said, where are all the female biz slash tech podcasters out there? And I, without hesitation, I'm like right here, my partner and I run at Marvelous and we have a podcast about this, da, 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 and I named it and I hit publish or whatever the word is. And I was like, oh, whoa, what? I would never do that on, never do that on Instagram. Why, Sandy? Tell me why. I would think about it. And then I would be like, "Mm, I want to be, it's fear. And I'm just trying to decide what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of that people will come after us on Instagram for whatever, like however my words can be construed. Like it's ridiculous in that example, because it's like, hey, we have a podcast. Fuck Instagram. I just I just well, wouldn't do it on Instagram. And I, I need to think about that why, but I didn't hesitate. It was fun to do it on. And I read through everybody's and er- there wasn't that many, which was shocking. And some of them weren't even the topic that the lady was talking or asking for. And we have exactly what she's talking about. And I was like really proud to put my hand up and say, we actually have one. Yeah. We are tech, non-technical co-founders of an incredible software team company called at Marvelous. I would never, I don't write things. I don't comment at all on Instagram because I just think of, I don't know, I, we just know too many people have been canceled on Instagram and I think that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a bigger conversation. Yeah. I think the chilling effect of cancel culture on business on entrepreneurship, on thought leadership is something that collectively as a culture we should be examining constantly. I think it's one of the most dangerous forces we have in society right now. And I think even commenting to say it's dangerous runs the risk of you getting canceled, right? right? So, I mean, this is us saying, speaking truth to some sort of fucked up power. And I think that part of this is I, it's three years now since the pandemic. It's three years. And our worlds and lives have changed irreversibly (laughs) since Mm -hmm. that over the last three years. And I think that I just, I think that there was for me like a little bit of a wait and see, like maybe this 
will pass on its own without having to like get yourself embroiled in some kind of kerfuffle about it. (laughs) But I also think like, okay, the direction things are heading to me feel dangerous. And I'm ultimately a political animal. (laughs) Like my background is politics. It's sort of like, I'm going to explode if I don't start speaking. And so I think anyway, we've been podcasting together since 2016. And we've been on social media together since before that. 2015. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's this level of we're just going to own it now. Like we're just going to actually really embody our who we are, what we believe. beliefs and state them and and come what what we have too and be proud of what we've created. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to say to our clients who many of them listen, if you are all freaking out about this and thinking that this must mean that you have to get off Instagram and go to Twitter, that's not not what we're saying. (laughs) It's just like we are making a decision for ourselves given our history that you just said, our thoughts and what we want to do. And I think too, there's part of this, like we want to grow our audience to beyond our software clients that- Yeah, and coaching clients. Yeah, right? and coaching well clients. beyond. Yeah. Right? And so, and Twitter makes sense for us to do that. There's also this piece of the frustration of being silent and like no more. And this like this realization. So I just encourage all of you to make the decision for yourself, but- and we talk about this all the time, like decide, is Instagram working? Is it, and a lot of them are in the very beginning stages and it's really hard because you don't have a lot of data, but it's just, even if you choose to do Instagram, we encourage all of you to say something, say something meaningful, say something important, say something perhaps controversial. And just like, where are you policing and silencing yourself to fit into the activities on Instagram? Yeah. I mean, this goes back to Seth Godin's kind of preeminent marketing work, which is like, be remarkable, Mm -hmm. like say something remarkable, like it's his purple cow book. And I know that, you know, you and I have wrestled with that word a lot. And when we have brought it up to our community and our audience, I think that there's always been this like, well, that might intimidate some people. And I just, I think you have one life seriously, (laughs) it shouldn't intimidate you. Like you have something inside of you to say. And I just, if you feel like you don't, you're lying to yourself. That's my opinion, but I'm sticking by it. Like if, (laughs) especially if you feel called to entrepreneurship, like you are a creator of things in the world. You are not like a passive consumer at that point and you need to stand for something. And so I just, you especially now cannot get by with just parroting your version of what other people are doing. Like, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to grow a business. Like maybe in 2016, 2017, you could get away with that because there was room on the internet. It was not such a crowded place, but now it is. (laughs) Yeah. And I think as you get more experience with your teaching your coaching or whatever it may be, you usually start out mimicking or using systems and ideas from your teacher or training. But as you go forward through the years of having your own clients, you start to become unique. You start to be able to spin your own ideas and systems and frameworks so that you do stand out in the marketplace. And that will come with time. And that's when you can really start to say something of interest. But in the beginning, I do think we're just all kind of saying the same thing because we're new and we're unsure. But as you get more experience, more clients, you are able to be unique, to be different than everyone else. And I think a lot of women are afraid to do that. And that's, I think that's really the message of this episode. Yeah. And I think there's, again, justification for that. There's reasons to be afraid. But I think if you 
here's the other thing. <laughs> if we all do this together, like if there is a mass movement for women in business to start like speaking their truth, it's less likely that we'll be sort of taken off one by one. <laughs> if you're like a single bird taking off in a hunting field, I know nothing about this. <laughs> give this analogy. Like you're going to get shot. The duck's going to get shot. But if it's like a whole flock of yeah. ducks, right, or geese or whatever gets shot, I, this is a terrible analogy, but like some of them are going to get away. Yeah. You know, when there's only a few people willing to do this in our space, yeah, they're going to be singled out. But if, mm-hmm. if a bunch of us are willing to do it, it just gets normalized. So yeah, I think that the platform doesn't matter. I mean, this is what we teach Invisible, right? Inside right. of our Visible program, which is you pick one place to amplify, like one, I probably social, but it doesn't have to be social, somewhere on social to amplify your thought leadership. And I think that that is an important, it, if you have no idea where to start, I mean, we teach how to pick something, but I think it also is something that needs to be revisited over time. And I think we early on decided Instagram was our place, but for like the last five years, we've hated it. It was time to revisit that. And who knows if Twitter is the right place or not. But I just think, I don't know. I'm like moth to a flame to power. (laughs) And I see the power there. Mm -hmm. And I see that the dearth of women in so many conversations, like it's just such a tiny minority of women participating. And I just feel disgusted that we are choosing. It's not like we're excluded. We are choosing to not Mm -hmm. participate. Mm -hmm. So what the hell is that about? To joining Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say one of the things, this is me being Canadian. One of the things like I've been on Twitter since like 2017 or something. And, you know, I just, I usually use it for more when something is happening or in like world events, like sort of the fast, that's the fastest place to get news. As a Canadian, I've always been fascinated by and confused by American, the politics. And it's like, you're this or you're that. It's super black and white, super divided. And I've always followed CNN and Fox News so that I can see the entire conversation and not just this is the right side and that's the wrong side. And you know this us versus them mentality. And I kind of am just loving, and you could argue that you could do this on Instagram, but I'm not so sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to be, (laughs) I'm trying to be nice to people who use Instagram. I love that I have curated people on the entire spectrum of opinions and I can listen to them and watch like Jordan Peterson. I do not like that man, but I want to hear what he has to say because there's some things I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I actually couldn't finish his book. But <laughs> that was rough. That was <laughs> but he is an influencer out there. People yeah, listen yeah, sure. to him Huge and I want to know what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. I think that I'm coming to Twitter, reigniting my activity on Twitter with this like idea that I want to see the whole conversation. And I know that there's still an algorithm at play, but I have just witnessed so many things. Like this is a super simple, kind of a dumb example, but in Canada, our opposition uh, leader is Pierre Polyev. He's conservative. They had, I think it was National Indigenous Day a few days ago, and they had the opening of the parliament. They just like bowed their heads in silence for a minute in acknowledgement. And there's a photo of Pierre Polyev with his head up while everyone else's heads down. And the headlines were like, Pierre Polyev refuses to take a moment of silence for Indigenous Day. And my first reaction is like, what an asshole. Like, how could you do that? And then the opposing side posted images of moments of time in that period where there was tons of people who had their heads up because it just, it's like a a second, like you just might've raised your head for a half a second. And so there was people on both sides who had their head. And I was like, wow, because I would have been influenced against Pierre Polyev if I hadn't seen the opposing 
images of different times in that one minute of silence of everyone moving. And I just, I really feel good about listening to both sides and watching and listening to people that I don't necessarily agree 100% with, but I just want to hear the full conversation. And that is, in this day and age, that to me is really, really important. Well, I will challenge you on the idea that there are two sides. And I think that that's also okay, sure. what happens. What like happens the, the bifurcation, like, like Twitter, right? Where there's like the many one, shades of gray and right, sides that are absolutely censored yes. by mainstream yes. media yes. on whatever political yes. side. And I think that that's, that's the important role. I think that Twitter in particular is playing right now. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. But Elon Musk don't agree with like firing everybody and like immediately. Lots and, of things. Yeah. But I also, it's not my business, right? Like maybe. I would have made that decision. I don't know if I had the same circumstances, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I do really appreciate sort of like there were so many people who were censored during the pandemic, some of whom I deeply respect. And I think it was the first time in my adult life that I was that heartbroken, at least in my country, about this loss of free speech. I mean, I'm like a human rights lawyer. I care so much about this. The constitution in my country, I feel like was trampled during the pandemic. And it's going to be shocking for Americans to hear somebody who I consider myself, you know, liberal and progressive to say that, but that's the Mm -hmm. truth. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that is not allowed to be said. Mm-hmm. in circles that I run in. And I just appreciate so much that people have been replatformed who were incredibly censored and some of whom have extremely important points of view. I just think that big tech will have to contend with that. And Twitter, I think, has taken a step in the right direction. So that's part of the reason why I'm sending more time there is just because I think it's chilling to censor people. And even if you, I mean, Lots of people who were censored, I vehemently disagree with, with all of my heart and soul, but I still think that they shouldn't have been deplatformed. Yeah. And anyway, that's a bigger conversation, that's, that's another, but that's yeah, an important conversation. conversation and, and another important reason to spend time there versus Facebook. I can tell you that I was part of a conversation three days ago in a private Facebook group, because it's the only time I go on Facebook is to participate in like long COVID community groups. It was about a supplement a precursor to glutathione, like the least freaking controversial thing in the entire world. And I was part of a conversation about how the supplement is like the FDA in the United States is maybe taking a supplement off the market because a drug company has been doing R&D and they're trying to file a patent. Ugh. And so they they petitioned the FDA to take a vitamin off the market. <laughs> And I was in part of a conversation about this and people were like, well, you can still order it here. Where are you ordering it before the FDA removes? And this has happened throughout COVID. And literally that I left to take my daughter, say goodbye to her for summer school and came back to my computer literally five minutes later and the conversation was gone. Like I saved the link. I put it in my notes because anyway, I have a way of tracking long COVID data and conversations. I go back to the post and it's been removed. Wow. But that is so normal, Sandy. Like that is my lived experience for the last three years. Yeah. I'm saying that because I think some people don't, who are not part of the circles that I'm in, do not see the extent to which things are censored on Facebook and Instagram. Like the most innocuous, (laughs) it's a vitamin. It's like, let's talk about this vitamin Mm -hmm. and let's talk about like, okay, it might be going off the market. Who has been surviving because they have this fucking vitamin for the last couple of years. So it's long COVID. And where can we, so I placed my order immediately and ordered six cases of this vitamin because I have to worry about my FDA taking it off the market. So our Mm -hmm. podcasts, I mean, who knows? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. episode, just because I said this, we probably could not have this episode. It w- if we put this up on YouTube, Sandy, this episode very well might get taken down because I just said that. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem with mm-hmm. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And that is a- also a big reason why I spend time on Twitter. Well, I think that point is a good place to wrap it up. You can tell, I hope, that there's so many things just bubbling inside of us to come out. And I think we've just made, I feel like, a really important decision to kind of turn this podcast to some bigger issues that we talk about privately that we think need to be more public. And maybe we'll get censored and we'll probably get some hate mail. And we're, we'll, we'll just post it. the episode directly we'll on Twitter. It. You can go listen to it there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because we know it won't be yeah. taken down. Yeah. No, it's seriously. And I think, you know what? We're not going to get everything right. We're not self-restraining what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's the other thing is like this episode and like we started to with talking about our entire business journey when we yeah. were on Claire Pelletro's podcast. This is, you can start to see, I think yeah. if you're listening, we're sort of not zipping up our mouths like we have been for the last three years and longer. And I think that like, this is just, we're not going to get everything right. But I think that that's okay. Because I think that's, again, part of the problem is that when you yeah. try to be perfect, you don't um, say anything, you don't say anything at all. Yeah. 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 I think that's really important that we're, we have thoughts and ideas, but we're also willing to be corrected or yeah. make mistakes, make mistakes. And like, maybe think about, I never thought about that angle. Right. But that's the fear that I have to say anything. Cause people are going to criticize me that I didn't think of some angle or whatever. I don't know. Whew, here we go, Jenny. Here, here we, we go. go. Let's do joy and hustle. All right. Do you want to do the joy? Or should I do the joy? The joy is the Seth Godin interview with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Yeah. So we both – well, I, I watched this interview on YouTube and then I sent, I think I sent you the link, Sandy. So Tim Ferriss and Seth Godin are good friends and it's very clear that they're good friends based on this podcast. And I love Tim Ferriss's podcast because it, yeah. his episodes are so long and and rambly, but like in such a good way. It's like a natural conversation. Storytelling way. Yeah. Friends. It was an interview with Seth about his new book, which we've talked about already on the podcast. And I just think it's like it's a really personal conversation mm-hmm. more so than I've heard mm-hmm. Seth give yep. to you know publicly before. And I, it's a beautiful conversation and it's he talks about like a near-death experience, which I, I thought was really moving to listen yeah. to. And, well, I was shocked when yeah. he told that. I d- did not expect that. I was like, oh, and he talks about bees, which makes me yeah. happy. He talks about bees. It's a beautiful conversation. It's a, it's a beautiful conversation between two people who are, are trying to live their lives mm-hmm. in a big, meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and really, really, really. Yeah. Actually, from that conversation, listening to that conversation, this I think both of those men really in the past have inspired Tim Ferriss was a huge influence in my life when that book came out, 4-Hour Workweek. It was reintroduced, I guess, to him. Like I kind of haven't I, – I, for the last couple of years, I've just like pushed away all the men and all the thinkers and all the people who I used to follow who really got me started in online and I've sort of faced that – we need to have a whole other podcast about this. Like yeah. really turn to women and like what are women saying? And I've forgotten how good the stuff that the men are making, like so good. <laughs> and so I started following Tim Ferriss on Twitter and I saw that he interviewed Kevin Kelly. Did you know this? I think I knew this, but I didn't – I haven't listened to it. What heresies do you believe or something? It sounds like so good. So anyway – I don't think I would have found that on Instagram. But anyway, such a good interview. Tim Ferriss, I think it's called Tim Ferriss Show. Seth Godin, it's one of the recent podcasts. and It's June of 2023 right now. So you can find it. Hustle 
is a book called The Courage to Be Disliked, and neither of us have finished it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's one of those books that every business owner needs to read. If you are working out there in the world and and saying things and worried about what people are going to say about you or judge you, it's based on Adler, the psychologist who was in the time of Jung and Freud. It's written in the style of like a story, like a philosopher and a student, Celestine Prophecy kind of style. Like there, I don't know if there's a name for that kind of, they teach through a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's very much mindset. It's very much plays into the training that I've had, but it's just a little different angle or flavor to the same material. And I, I'm i really enjoying it. It's making me think about things a little bit differently. Yeah. And I will just say, so my big fear of being canceled that I've voiced for many months now, like since I decided I wanted to start speaking my truth and my mind, like, and, and wrestling with this. So this book was like highly recommended to me by like a coach and mentor, which was, he said the same thing, like everyone needs to read this, but like you need to read this right now. <laughs> Just read this book. This will quell that issue you're having. And I think, yeah, I need to finish the book, but I think that All of us have spent the last, just because of the pandemic, honestly, living in fear for three years. And so it's such an important choice to go and immerse yourself in something that's like anti-fear. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's good. I'm going to probably finish it this weekend. Okay. So that's the episode. We are leaving Instagram. We are going to Twitter. If you want to follow us there at Sandy Connery, I'm just doing my own personal name. I'm going to be yeah, I'm there. You can find me if you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just mention really fast, Sandy, that we are not quitting our software company. Is not quitting Instagram and Facebook because right. Right. it has its own. Brand. We have a team yeah. member that runs that account, and that's it. Has its own kind of workflows and its own brand presence, and it ha- we have a very different non personal reason for being there. And so that's not what we're yes. talking about. So if you see marvelous yes. over on Instagram, yes. like hey, I thought you guys were leaving. We don't run that's that. We haven't yeah. run that account for years. <laughs> Again, we think about it. It's intentional. Yeah. There's a, a brand yeah. brand awareness. Our wellness people, our teachers, our coaches out there are all. Yeah. On Instagram. So it's very strategic that why we're going to, going to stay there. Yeah. Until something changes, we'll be there. And, you know, we feature new features and we feature like yeah. customer success stories and whatever. And I think it's fine. And, and it's it doesn't, are beautiful. Yeah. It's, pre- it's a pretty little, pr- it's all in line with everything Instagram is. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you, Sandy, for having this conversation. Yeah. I'm excited to talk more about these things and yeah, for too. everyone listening. Thank you for your time and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.